Hello and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and Chavruta, Yerdena Osband. Our daf of the day, Masacha Beitza, daf Yod Gimel, page 13. So this daf actually I find to be a bit of a challenge. Um, it seems to have an awful lot of, uh, I would say it requires a great deal of uh, prerequisite knowledge to be able to, un- to understand all of the different points that it raises in a lot of different directions. Uh, most specifically in the context of the tithings. We've talked about this before in previous Dabim, uh, previous Masechtot, right? The idea that you have produce any year that's not a Shemitah year, right? You have produce that we take off a little bit that goes to the Kohen and a little bit that goes to the Levi, including some that the Levi will take and give to the Kohen, and then more that goes to the Levi, and that sometimes something that you eat in, with you yourself will take and separate off and eat in sanctity in Jerusalem, or you'll redeem that same amount on a coin, or depending on the year, that same content, that same value would be given to poor people. So all of this, without even getting into the specifics of each category, all of this is the backdrop of the phenomenon of how the, the, I guess, holiness that comes to the foods, to the foodstuff, to the portion that is going to be siphoned off and dedicated to any which of these categories. So the Gemara here then talks about, um, for example, when you've got different kinds of produce, really, right? Meaning if you're doing this off of your cucumbers, then it's pretty clear what you have to do because you just have cucumbers. Like it's not, you know, the cucumber is in its entirety pretty much edible. But when you're dealing, the Gemara then talks about cases. It doesn't mention cucumbers. That's my example. It talks about Husking kernels, right? If you've got green and you, the question is, are, is it supposed to be ground up? Are you going to husk them, eat them as kernels? And this th- carries specific practical differences for these specific halachot in terms of when you take truma, when you take miser, and so on. So from the top of the daf, really the daf, our daf is a continuation into the discussion from the previous daf, but I'm going to start just where we are. Ha Rebbe, ha Rebbe Yosi, Rebbe Yehuda. So the Gemara here says that if you're talking about stalks of green and that what you're going to do with them is um, you're going to make dough from them, right? You're going to make dough, then any eating that you might do from those stalks themselves is like temporary eating. It's not the real purpose of why you have these stalks here. And then because it's temporary eating, it is considered patur from taking the trumot on my sword to begin with, which is kind of a shocking statement because I didn't know there was anything that once you take it into your house, I didn't know there was anything that you would not be required to take trumot on my sword. I know that you don't, you're not required to take trumot on my sword from, let's say, a fruit that you eat out in the orchard. You know, when you pluck it from the tree and you eat it while you're there, that's a different kind of, it's considered a different kind of eating. I guess it's the same idea here as achila arai. It's kind of temporary eating, or perhaps better said, eating on the go. Um, so here, lemululan b'mililut, Rebbe So the Gemara says that from the outset, if you're talking about stalks of grain and you want them, again, not to grind them, meaning in contrast, not to grind them for flour, to make dough, but you want to husk the kernels and you want to eat them as a snack, let's say. Um, I've never done this, but I imagine that it's a decent, we eat popcorn, right? It's got to be something that's a decent snack. So then Rabbi Huda Nasi, 
Rabbi Mechayev, he says, you have to take truma. You can't eat from this, from these kernels until you have separated off truma. But Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Huda says, you don't have to take truma because even though your plan was to eat them as kernels, right, the phenomenon of truma, the requirement of truma will only kick in, according to Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Huda, when you're dealing with fully processed grain. Meaning, eating kernels, I guess, is not enough of the main way this food is, this these stalks or whatever are are used. So then the Gemara, you know, questions this. Well, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda, Nami Mishkachala, Kegon Chachnishi Belin Lasot Mehan Isa, Benim Lachlehen Lamolalan Biyom Tov, the Tavla Biyome. So the Gemara says as follows: According to the opinion of Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda, you would think that you you would have to separate the truma from grain that is not fully processed, meaning he says you have to wait until you don't you don't deal with truma until you have until you're dealing with flour. But the, the Gemara wants to say no, there would be still an there would be an example where you would have to take truma, specifically if you if you bring the grain into your home and you're going to make dough from it, right? So that eventually you know that you're gonna to have to take the truma. And then what happens? You decided, no, you know what, I'm not gonna make dough from it. Nimlach, you change your mind, and you're instead going to have just the kernels. And then, right, so but you're going to have the kernels, and it's going to be on Chag. Now we know why this whole case is in this Masachet. Right now it's on Chag. So then, in that case, the fact that you planned to, you, you had a different plan, right? That you're going to take the tithing, you're going to do the tithing after the, um, after the kernels went to be ground up to be flour, to be dough. In this case, you end up with untithed produce that counts, you know, as untithed produce on Chag, no less, because you had a plan to separate Truma. And, you know, that kicks in, that kind of legislates the fact that you need to take that Truma before you can eat the kernels, even though you originally were going to use it for dough, and now you only want kernels. I think this is a little bit of a difficult rationale. I hope I've ex explained it correctly. It does seem to me that's exactly what, the, I mean, it seems pretty straightforward in the words, but it seems a difficult rationale in terms of, of you know, why would it, why would the requirement um, hold over your head as you've changed your mind? On the other hand, I don't know, it also kind of makes sense to me. LMI truma, rove truma. So then the Gemara goes on to say, you have to ask, what is the truma and then this gets back to Beit Shammai and Beit Hill, uh, disagreement. What is the truma that cannot be separated on Chag? Right? Because that's the whole problem here. If you had this, the the previous example, where you've got your stalks of grain and you want them, you wanted them for dough, but now you're going to treat them just for kernels, but you're not supposed, it's yantif. Neglected to say this well. Um, if you, you want them for the for the kernels, and you now have an obligation to take the truma, but you can't do it because it's yentif already, and you're not allowed to take yentif on. You're not allowed to take truma on yentif. So that's why the gemara says, "El my truma," meaning what is the truma that Beit Shammai and Beit Hill would both agree cannot be taken on chag? Because otherwise, you know, you have almidli smoke, you have an opinion to rely on that you, under certain circumstances, you could take it on on chag. So rather. The Gemara says, rove truma. That means most truma. What does that mean? When the green has been threshed and it's already in piles and now you're on Erev Chag and you didn't take truma before Chag, 
but it's kind of ready to go, except just waiting for the separate to separate truma. Well, then that would be the case where you know where you would not be allowed to take the truma on Chag, except for there's some exceptions where you could. So fine, we understand there's exceptions, but this I think kind of sheds light on everything we've been learning up until this point. Meaning the the phrase Achila Arai that I read at the very beginning of this staff, the the um temporary, right, or as I said, eating on the go, right? That kind of thing, which is not considered the main plan for the food, uh, that's not when the requirement of truma kicks in. The requirement to take truma kicks in when you're dealing with the regular way that the food would be used. And Beit Shama and Beit Hillel would agree that if you're talking about the regular food that's, you know, is ready to go, except for having truma taken, you can't take that truma on Chag. Because even if you could do it in a in a less official kind of situation, um, as opposed to, I should say, as opposed to the first case where you don't need truma at all. But here, there, there are cases where you would take truma on the Chag, but not if you're talking about the main way that the food would be prepared, namely, you've threshed the grain, you've gathered it into piles, you know that it is on its way to being ground up to make flour and from flour to dough. Um, okay. The Gemara does continue to argue. As I always say, there's more to this discussion, but I think we're going to pause here. Yudin, I know you have more to talk about as well. So I think what I'm getting out of these DAPIM that are all about food preparation is you know, we don't always predict what exactly it is that we're going to be to eating. And once you allow that there is some food preparation for Chag, very different than Shabbat, where everything has to be done before, I think that's why you do keep coming up with all these cases. Because it's sort of like what has to be done ahead of time, what doesn't have to be done ahead of time. And, you know, it's also driving home for me the fact that today we just sort of go to a grocery store and our food is ready to be used in a certain way. But, you know, here we're sort of seeing the full process of what has to happen to things in order to make it edible on a table, which is a very different way than how we experience food, right? Like even when we talked about that mission with, you know, using the hide and tanning, that it could be tanning, like, you know, if you shafted an animal, we, it, it's just not what our experience is around food preparation. Right. And I like this point that you've just made that, you know, so much of the Yantav preparation is about food because, in fact, so much of the Yantav preparation is indeed about food, and it just it's manifest so differently. Um, the fact that they're talking about kernels of grain, right, and making in the flour. I mean, I do think there are people who, who what, who prepare. I guess there are people who bite, bake their their challah fresh on Yantav, but most of the people I know do not. Even the people who I know who are making, let's say, a barbecue on Yantav. They've already done the challah preparation or roll preparation. Right. It's like there's certain foods that are considered to be sort of too labor intensive. You wouldn't make them on chag. So I think challah is like a great example of that. Right. So and then here, you know, that's exactly it. Right. Like to what extent and when when does the requirement for taking truma kick in? It's not it's clear to me that the Gemara's point is that it's not always so clear. Right. So I'm going to jump down uh, now to another discussion that sort of starts on Ahmed Aleph and also uh, continues for a very long time. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm really starting like mid-discussion here. Tanya Nami Hafi. So this is an opinion that they're talking about, which is what happens with a lady who sort of 
prematurely takes his master before every before the truma was done. And so they quote a bright here. Ben Levi Sonat knew Lo Shibalin, the master attack. Osino Tan So let's say you have a, a lady who was given stocks, you know, for his master, and then he brings them to the to the granary, basically, right? He has to thresh them and process them, right? Anavim, or let's say he was given grapes, Osa Tanyan, then he can make them wine. Zaytim, Osa Otan If he was given olives, he can make them into oil. Umafrijalam, Shrumat Maser. And after he does those things, then he can separate the Truma Maser that he is to give to the priest. So remember, the order is as me as a Yisrael, I have to give Truma. And then I have to give Maser to the lady. But the lady who gets Maser also needs to separate Truma from that Maser. So the point here of this race is basically saying he can sort of, you know, process this, the food, right? He can do what he needs to do with the grain or the grapes or the oil. And then he can separate the Truma to give to the Kohen. Right? For just as like Truma Gedola, which is the standard Truma, isn't separated basically from, you know, unprocessed produce. Like, in other words, you don't separate the truma until the grain's actually been processed. Right? But you only separate it from the granary or the wine press. So, so true, truma maser is only separate from the granary of the, of the wine press. So, this is very, very interesting because. In other words, the, the lady's really allowed to sort of work with the master with the gift that they're given. Yes, they have an obligation of doing trumat master, but they can really process that food, and then that's when they give the truma. So, you know, the concept itself is very interesting, and it shows us a very big difference between the regular truma that's given, in a way, and the, I mean, yes, they're all going to be processed, but there is something about it that feels a little bit out of order. So then the Gemara says, So it says, okay, the Mishnah that we had before that was talking about, you know, Truma Gedola, that it can't be separated, right? It uses this term of calculate, right? And so the Gemara is, the Mishnah, the Gemara is basically saying here, what do you mean calculate? The Mishnah should have said measures, right? That the amount of Truma Gedola is basically done by estimation, right? There's no fixed amount for Truma. So when we have truma that's separated from maser from the maser, right? Then we actually have the Torah really establishes it. It's a fixed amount of one tenth, and so then you actually have to be precise. So it's interesting to see is that it is, is an issue of calculating, like estimation, or is it an issue of measuring? And so the Gemara explains the following: How many Abba Eliezer ben Gimel So they say that this opinion is really according to. Rabbi Eliezer ben Gimel, and now they're going to give us a brace of Titania. Abba Eliezer ben Gimel, Omer. So Abba Eliezer ben Gimel taught. The Nechshav Lahem Truma Techem. So he says, and your Truma, right? So this is a Pasuk from Bamidbar, chapter 18, verse 27. So it says, your, your Truma shall be, I'm not sure how to exactly explain the word Nechshav. One English I saw was like, should be reckoned to you, Right? As if it was corn in the granary or fullness of the wine for wine continuation. So it says there. So the Pasuk here is talking about two different types of truma. The truma gedola, right, which is the regular truma everybody takes, 
And the Truma Masa, which is the Truma that the Levi has to do. Kishem to Truma Gedola Nitelet, the Omed Ube Machshava. Kach Truma Masa Nitelet, the Omed Ube Machshava. Just as Truma Gedola is done by estimation, right? We don't exactly measure it. And it's enough to do by thought. Like, in other words, you could sort of look at what you have and say, like, this is the section that I'm going to give to Truma. Okay, that's what the word Nechshav is sort of applying there. So the truma of maser rishon, right? That maser, you know, the truma maser, that also can be done by estimation and not by thought. And so what I see that we're we're sort of trying to see that happens here is that even though maser has to be measured out exactly, the truma of maser can still be done by estimation. And I think that's what the gemara here is trying to figure out because we know maser has to be exactly a tenth. That's what the word literally means. But truma is something that we can just estimate. And so I know this is totally off topic. This really doesn't have anything to do with Hilchot Yom Tov or Beitzah or anything like that. But I think this is a very interesting, uh, you know, point here uh, that, you know, something that just made me think about. And again, we're not going to get to truma to Maser even because that's all in Zra'im. Um, and so we don't really on it. So I just wanted to point that out, that there's a key essential difference between truma and Maser and how it's actually measured out. That truma is going to be measured out by estimation. Maser is going to be done by actual measuring. But when you have truma at maser, we're going to treat it like truma, which makes sense, but you can understand why it needs a midrash halacha to actually explain it. Um, yes. And I think it's, especially if we're not accustomed to all of these categories, I think it can be tricky to keep track of them. Um, although... That didn't phase me as much on this stuff, I have to say. Like, keeping track wasn't the issue as much as understanding the different kinds of things that were being applied to be used for Tremendomizer. Yeah, I again, it's, I want, I'm just finding Beta to be difficult because there's so much. I feel like we didn't even do this stuff justice fully. Like, there's so many. It's a topics. long stuff. It's a long stuff. And there's just a lot of topics here, you know? And then they're going to get onto a whole discussion about peeling off shells with, you know, masrot and shop. It's like, in other words, if you're literally peeling the food right away and then eating it, which was also an interesting topic, you know, at what point does the, um, you know, at what point does sort of having to take Truman Maser actually sort of kick in? And actually, if you're eating it one at a time, the DAP actually tells us you don't have to. So I, I guess what I just want to point out here is, you know, as we're doing Gemara Bavli, these are sort of some of the discussions that you may see in the Urshalmi done by tractate, whereas here they're sort of just going to pop up because it's not done by the actual tra tractate, uh, you know, that we see in Zrim. Right, right. And I think that that's also part of this challenge of this particular daf and this particular masachet because the topics are far ranging. I know we just said this, but like the, the claim that, you know, you have to know everything to know anything there's so many references on the staff. So I found it very interesting, this last case that you just mentioned here, Dana, the idea of just having one at a time might obviate the need to take Truma to begin with. And and yet, you know, we're not, how much can we delve into on this one very long daf? Um, I recommend to all of our co-learners, take your time with it. You know, read it slowly, even if the concepts themselves are, um, well, there are many. And if you aren't familiar with them, you might want to look them up. Or even just read it through, and even if you don't get every little last detail, as we have not provided every little last detail here, there's a richness on this stuff, which I think is to be appreciated when you can take a little bit more time and go a little bit slower. 
Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank is review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to our Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hydrant website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.